0: back to another episode of Any Given Monday. I'm Hayden Nadoni and joining me, Duncan Song. Welcome, Dunk.
1: Thanks, Nads. Look, I'm super excited. Football's back, buddy. We've been waiting so long. And we finally got some games that we're going to break down for the listeners today. Um, just so everybody's aware, to start right off, we're recording this on Monday night, Australia time. So, uh, the... Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints game and the Broncos Chargers game hasn't been played yet so we won't be recapping those but we're going to go through a lot of the other games now. There's lots to get through but it's going to be a great episode but let's dive into the social media as we always do. Let's start off with your love this week.
0: Uh, Great idea. So we talk a lot about issues going on in the world right now especially with uh, a lot of social media divide and um, Something that I really think has brought people together is um, Hurricane Harvey in Houston. In particular, J.J. Watt's donation drive. So he's brought out a donation drive to provide support for those in need um, of assistance as a result of like them getting affected by Hurricane Harvey. So far, as of this recording, he's raised over $31.285 million. It's ridiculous. It's
1: incredible. Because he's absolutely is it, is, incredible. His initial goal was only about 200 grand. Exactly. And, he's and it now, just kept going up. It's it's phenomenal. Is there anything that man can't do? Seriously, just completely unrelated, but I bought a pair of JJ1 um, shoes. Yep. They are phenomenal, man. I'd, I'd highly <laughs> recommend them to everybody. If you're looking for a gym shoe, get around them, they're great. But that dude just can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, look, he's an absolute superstar on and off the field. and I can't speak enough about what he's been able to do for the people of Houston as a result of the
1: hurricane. No it is fantastic to hear you know tragedy like that really is where you see the human race bond together and really work towards you know helping each other out when when we're going through difficult times So it's really great to see if you can guys feel free to throw some more support his way or just in general to the to the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Um, On that theme, Nads, we've got a special little bit of social media this week that's not a hate. We don't have a hate this week. We're feeling positive it's week one, football's back. What have we got instead?
0: Exactly. Football's back, and that's why we need to be positive this week. So I'm calling it a shout-out for support. So a little while ago, um, a long-time listener of our show um, who's been following us since day one, they've requested to remain anonymous. Um, they're going through a rough time right now. And since 20, 2015, um, this person has seen six family members pass away suddenly and in some cases unexpectedly. So they're going through a very hard time, the entire family. And one person in particular of that family that's going through, through it quite hard and taking it, taking it very difficult is um, the listener's nephew. The listener's nephew is just four years old. Um, and they're struggling quite a bit. And one thing that the listener is trying to do is he comes from, um, he doesn't have a lot of money to, to their name and they're trying to raise money so they can take their nephew and their nephew's family to Disneyland and trying to bring just a little bit of happiness back into their, back into their life. Um, give them, I mean, the last two, three years has been quite, quite upsetting, quite Quite miserable. So, what we're going to do is we've been given a link. Uh, it's not. A, it's. I think it's a you caring page similar to a GoFundMe. And what we'll what we'll do is we're going to put that on our social media accounts. I'll put that on my personal account as well as the any given Monday Facebook and Twitter page. And if you want to donate to it, that would be great. But even if you just want to share it and just raise awareness to to get to get support for these people because they really do need it
1: yeah look it's one of those everybody knows somebody who's going through something like this and you know sometimes even we are going through a situation like this and it's easy to just forget about it and and not realize that there are other people that are going through this sort of stuff so as nad said if you can spare some support for them even if it's just awareness sharing using social media for the positive power that it has that'd be fantastic um and i'm sure they'd thoroughly appreciate it.
0: All right,y Dunk, we've got a new section for this week. Given that football is finally back, we're going to be talking a little bit about the injuries that have happened from the the past Sunday's games. Generally, we see quite a few injuries. We don't like to see too many, but unfortunately, we've seen quite a few big names um Go down on the cart this week.
1: Yeah, look, it's one of those that with, with a full slate of games, it's often hard to keep track of what's what's really going on. Um, so each week we're going to break down the news. We're going to break down the injuries. Um, I'll note before I dive into these, we're just going to, it's almost like a rapid fire. We're just going to run through them. Um, but after this segment, we're going to be covering our three biggest games of the week. And there were some significant injuries in those games. Um, I'm not going to mention them here. They'll be covered later in the show. Um, But having said that, I'm just going to run through these really quickly, guys. These are some injuries that you probably want to know about, particularly if you play fantasy football. Um, So we'll start at the top. David Johnson, running back from the Arizona Cardinals. He's got a wrist injury. Um, He's having an MRI, but they're not clear at the moment whether it's a sprain or a fracture. So he could be anywhere from a couple weeks to half the season. Uh, But it's interesting to note that after he did that, he went back in and the very next play he fumbled. So... It's, it's a little bit scary for fantasy owners. Um, we'll have to wait and see what the MRI shows with how long he'll be out. Danny Woodhead from the Ravens, he's done his hamstring. Could be lengthy. I would have thought at least three to four weeks, but we don't know for sure yet. Um, in the Dallas-New York Giants game, Odell Beckham didn't end up suiting up, so he could miss more time. We don't know. Um, Orlando Skandrick from the Cowboys, he left the game with a hand injury, unclear of the timeline, but Jerry Jones did indicate that he may be able to play through it in coming games. Um, Switching over to the Jags now, Alan Robinson suspected ACL and gone for the year, Um, but they do need tests to confirm that, but all of the initial um, indications are that it is an ACL. And a nice little tap on the knee from Blake Bortles while he's on the ground. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was... That was um, a shocker. uh, Classic Bortles. Um, Still in that game as well for the Texans, they got done by concussions. In the same game... Ryan Griffin, Bruce Ellington, Brian Cushing, and C.J. Fiodoro, It's all left for the Texans with concussions. Um, in other concussion news, you have Jarrell Freeman from the Bears and Ahmad Brooks from the Packers. They're all in the concussion protocol. J.J. Watt left the game with an injured finger but did come back, so he should be fine. Moving elsewhere in the league, Stephon Chewett from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got a left arm injury with a suspected torn biceps. If it is a torn biceps, he'll be done for the year. Interesting to note, on Friday, I think it was, he signed a $61 million contract extension with the Steelers. So he's timed that well. Um, moving elsewhere, Kevin White. He's broken his collarbone. He's done for the year for the Bears also. Uh, my boy Nance, Ruben Foster. He hurt his ankle, but the x rays came back negative. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said he'll be back very 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 soon um, so he shouldn't miss too much time and then for the Patriots Donta Hightower he's got an MCL sprain but it's not clear how long he'll be out for for the Pats sake I hope not very long because geez they've got nobody inside if he's not there Uh, and last but not least Danny Amendola he had a hand injury left the game uh, questionable for next, next week yeah some major injuries going on I mean it's just week one yep it brings back that whole debate about preseason and how much you actually want to play your starters to condition them to full match speed versus risking injury in preseason. I really feel like it's a lose-lose at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, look, you know there's
1: so much debate about whether the
0: NFL should go to 18 games in the regular season and you only need to look at this week's injury list after just like one one week to know that 18 games even though it would be great to have an extra two weeks of like real football, it's just not
1: not quite possible, um, the way that the, the league is set up at the moment. Nah, they'll have to come up with some solution. But that's the injury recap for this week, guys. Nads, let's dive into our top three games of the week.
0: Alrighty, so number one should be no surprise to any. It was the the season opener. It was on a Thursday night in America, Friday, Friday morning, I should say, here in Australia. So I was popping in between... Um, between work and I was getting to see Kansas City take it to the Patriots. What an upset. What
1: a, what a game, mate. What a game to start the year. It really was fantastic. It, I mean, it was always going to be exciting because football's back, but that was a cracker of a game because, you know, the final score 42 27, Kansas City win, but up until the last quarter, it was. You know, one possession game. It wasn't until the very end where Kansas City kind of steamrolled them in that fourth quarter. Exactly. The Patriots started off like a house on fire.
0: I mean, Mike Gillisley was getting his touchdowns from one yard out. You know, he, he was on autopilot. Um, Brady was, for the most part, he looked okay early on. They were moving the football. It was all going to plan. And then a guy by the name of Kareem Hunt decided to take matters into his own hands and said, no, nah, I'm taking over.
1: Yes, he had a debut to remember, setting the record for the most scrimmage yards on debut. Absolutely lit it up. Um, look, rookie this year in the, in the lead-up to the draft, I rated him pretty highly. Uh, didn't really have a lot of knocks on him. The only knock I really had was that he played at Toledo, so the quality of his opposition being in the MAC wasn't great. Um, and you really couldn't gauge how that was going to scale to the NFL, but apparently it scales quite well now.
0: Scales very well. I mean, the guy finished with just under 150 rushing yards on just 17 carries. He he got um, a rushing touchdown. Then he had another five catches for almost 100 yards and a receiving touchdown. So
1: he was a fantasy killer for anyone going against him this week. Ridiculous. I think the thing I liked the most, though, was he comes out on his first carry. He fumbles the ball. Never fumbled, like, once. Never fumbled it in Toledo. He had one fumble that he, lot, like, that he did fumble but recovered his own ball, um, but never had a lost fumble in his entire college career on his first NFL play. He loses it. And it would be so easy for him to just drop his head and just implode, but instead he goes the other way, stands up, and has an absolutely monster game, and I absolutely loved that.
0: Exactly. I mean, the narrative of the whole like week going into the game was that this is just going to be it, it's almost like we know what's going to happen Brady's going to do his thing Chiefs are going to like put up for a fight for maybe two maybe three quarters if they're lucky but the Patriots are going to roll and it kind of got in the early in the fourth quarter it became very apparent that things weren't rolling out as everyone expected and there was quite a bit of panic you could sense setting in and from then on, it was kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe we're going to get the upset. And we did.
1: Yeah, it really was. I think one of the biggest talking points for me from this game uh, was the Patriots' defense. Now, even before Hightower got injured and left the game, their defense looked shaky, Nads. I, I mean, the biggest issue for me was the lack of pass rush. They just could not get to Alex Smith. And you know you look at guys that Bill Belichick's gotten rid of in the last year or two, guys like Jamie Collins, guys like Jabal Sheard, they're not necessarily big names, but they're pass rushes, they're speed guys coming off the edge, that they just don't have anymore. And even, so even you, Coney Ealy, who they just raised. yeah exactly, exactly. So you know you got a guy like Alex Smith who thrown the the tag of game manager gets thrown around. Um, He goes and he tortures you because, you know, he's not under any pressure. So what do you think is going to happen when they come up against an elite quarterback? It's it's going to be tough. He's going to torch them.
0: Exactly. Like, they've they've got, for instance, um, you look at the top quarterbacks in the AFC, um, Big Ben, okay, Brady, but then you've got guys like Phillip Rivers, Derek Carr, even Marcus Mariota. These guys are the guys that you're going to be playing in the playoffs, potentially. All of them can torch you up. All of them are, in my, in my opinion, are better than Alex Smith. Um, it, it, it's one where the Patriots are really going to...
1: They're going to struggle if they don't get a pass rush going. No. It's, 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 the way the game is played now, the two most important positions, quarterback and pass rusher, for the same reason, right? If the quarterback is the most important position on the field and you know, we're in a passing league now and everybody's throwing the ball everywhere... You've got to have a pass rusher that's going to get home and move him off the spot, force him to be uncomfortable, under pressure, rushing throws, etc. The Patriots just don't have that. And I don't see how they're going to fix this going forward. I just can't see the players on their roster that are going to fill this void consistently. I thought it was interesting. Um, Early in the game,
0: I saw Pro Football Focus was talking about Dante Hightower before he got injured. And I'm not sure... Um, the final number but I know like at least the first 13 or 15 snaps that um, they took on defense Hightower was on the edge for every single one of them so clearly it's it's by design that they don't they don't have enough pressure going on on the edge at the moment so they're having to move um, guys out of their best positions to try to counteract that and it's not working that being said Kansas City run an extremely gimmicky, I would say almost it's a college-style scheme, and it really helped keep the Patriots honest. So for instance, I'll bring up um, a few ways that they got Travis Kelsey involved. So they weren't, they weren't putting Kelsey out wide and throwing it to him down a deep post or anything. What they were really doing is they were getting him across putting him in motion on some modified jet sweeps, which it's more or less just an extension of the run game. So it's a very, it's a short, quick pass. It gets Kelsey um, out in a bit of space. He can make one guy miss and he can get five to six yards. And what that's doing is because he's going out in motion and shifting out like that, it's opening up the game from a horizontal perspective and then that means that you can get your guys on the outside, you can get them to go deep because you're going to isolate people one on one. So guys like Tyreek Hill, they've got their world class speed there and look, he got deep in the secondary,
1: he got a massive touchdown. He did. Um, I think it's interesting as well, you're spot on, uh, Andy Reid is, is one of the greatest offensive minds going around in the way he schemes and play calls. Um but I thought it was interesting, we already touched on Kareem Hunt, but I thought that if he didn't have as much of an impact as he did, I don't know if that game necessarily went the same way because early on, you watch the, the, the game, the Patriots are doing a lot of work to take Kelsey and to take Tyreek Hill out of the game and limit their impact. And by doing that, you free up these lesser-known guys like Kareem Hunt, like the other uh, Chiefs wide receivers, And if you don't get production out of those guys, you're really going to struggle. Because if you do get production out of them, it forces the Patriots to change the way they play and to take the attention off of Kelsey and off of Tyreek Hill, which then frees them up to make plays later in the game. Um, And I really think that Kareem Hunt, having as much of an impact as he did, really forced the Patriots to look at what they're doing. And that's why when we got to the fourth quarter and they had to change and take attention away from um, Kelsey and Hill... The Chiefs' offense just exploded. Yeah, look, I mean, if you're able to average 10 yards,
0: like more or less per rush, you're you're in heaven. You know, you can absolutely dominate and control the game from that perspective. And I mean, you're able to control the clock as well. And that's one thing that we talked about it with the, the Patriots and the Falcons in the Super Bowl last year, that the Falcons couldn't control the clock whereas look at what the Chiefs were able to do. They were able to run the ball efficiently, on schedule, on time, which means that they're able to to run down the clock, and that means that Tom Brady's not on the field. And if Tom Brady's not on the field, their best player, and then they've got Gronk, they've got um, a few other receivers. That It's very important. As long as you can keep the Patriots' offense on the field, uh, I should say off the field, it means that their defense is on it, and that's... That's where, you, oh. that's where you want them to be because their defense is nowhere near as strong as what their offense is. As
1: well, much as you would like to think he can, Tom Brady sitting on the pine can't hurt anybody. No, exactly. Right? So, I mean, that's where you want him to be and if you can control the clock, as you say, you can keep him there. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, though, I think we have to talk about the best quarterback in this game and that was not Tom Brady. That was Alex Smith who went 28 of 35 for 368 yards and four touchdowns, no picks, nads. He was balling out there, throwing dimes everywhere. Uh the, the, the touchdown pass to Kareem Hunt was just like bang on the money and so not Alex Smith like. Like he is dare I just say muscled that straight down the field and like perfect window hits him in stride. If he puts that ball anywhere else, that's not gonna be a touchdown because he's gonna to have to stop and collect it. It was just a dime. No, dare I say he looked like Aaron Rodgers.
0: He he was it, he was balling he out there. Absolutely. He genuinely balling. did. Yeah, he, he was an absolute uh, gunslinger and it's just, it was so not an Alex Smith type performance and it's one of those where you just think, where did that come from?
1: Part of me wonders whether it's a little bit of, you know, Alex Smith has gone, right, they've just drafted this Pat Mahomes kid who's purely known as a gunslinger. Maybe that's what they want. Well, maybe I can show them that I can be a gunslinger as well if you give me the right play calls. Look, Give me the I'll, opportunities no to make you know,
0: this place. I know that it's definitely going to keep the, the calls for Mahomes to start. It's going to keep them at bay. So we can guarantee that Smith's going to be starting for the time being. Um, look, if, if you really consider it, I mean, let's see how Smith goes in the coming weeks. He's had a massive game in week one, but that being said, if you look at Andy Reid's history, both in season openers and then coming off a bye week, so when he has extra time to prepare, the game plans that he comes up with are by far the best in the league and it's not even close. Like, if you get Andy Reid off a bye week, it's almost like you just have to chalk up the loss. So... I'm I'm willing to give Smith the benefit of the doubt right now but I certainly it's still a wait and see approach because things fluctuate so much from week to week in the NFL.
1: Spot on. Uh one last takeaway from this Nads. Eric Berry, he's torn his Achilles and he's done for the year and that is just horrible news. I you know wishing him well in his recovery. It's really really horrible to hear. Um I thought he was bawling as well until he got injured. He completely shut down Gronk by himself. Um, yeah, he he dominated out there, and it's su-
0: it's really sad because it happened in like the final moments of the game when like the game was already won, um, and it was just such an innocuous like non-contact yeah. injury. It's, it's it's a real shame. It is um, because you you want to see the best players in the league like battling up against each other. Um, oh, exactly right. But he's he's the
1: heart and soul of that defense. He, he genuinely is. He sets the tone. Um, and I think, well, I mean, obviously they're going to be worse without him. But I think they're actually going to come down um, quite a lot without him. I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on Justin Houston to get back to the form that he was uh, two seasons ago, I think it was. He, he was playing very well in this game, though. He was getting a lot of he pressure was. Brady. He, he genuinely was, but he's going to have to lift... To another level again with no Eric Berry um, Yeah, he's going to have to become that trendsetter tone yeah, one, setter, thing I'm
0: interested, one thing I'm interested in seeing is how they go in terms of their coverages now that Berry's going to be out are they going to be able to keep the same coverages in the back end or are they going to have to apply a bit more pressure um, use a few more odd man rushes to the quarterback to try to um, mask the defensive um, deficiencies in the coverage but I mean, like you look at the way that Kansas City use their defensive structures. It's pretty much look, we'll just let the the D line rush, rush the quarterback. Um, we'll sit in coverage, usually a zone scheme, and we go from there. Um, and you can do that when you've got a guy like Marcus Peters, when you got Eric Berry. But now that Berry's out, um, it's gonna they're gonna have to change a few things schematically. I'm not sure that they can keep playing the same way um, that they have been.
1: No, I don't think they can. Um, how many times can you leave your free safety one out with Gronk and expect him to win? Yeah, not many. <laughs> not so, many at you all. know, you, you can't do that anymore. So that takes away a whole range of options that you've got in your play calling. But you're spot on. I mean, I, I made this comment during the game. Um, you can't... N- not many teams can send three guys at Brady and still not get torched by him. Like, if you give that man time, he is going to carve you up, and the Chiefs did it for a lot of the game and did it successfully. But I think you're right. I think they're going to have to change that up now with no Eric Berry back there. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, uh, what, what unfolds as the season goes on. <laughs>
0: All right, moving on to the next game. So this features two two teams who more or less are, are fighting for playoff spots this year, Oakland and Tennessee. So it was played in Nashville, and the Raiders were victorious, 26-16. to 16. So, Dunk, this was the return of two quarterbacks who broke their right leg, ironically enough, on the same day last season. So Derek Carr and Marcus
1: Mariota. Yeah, look, two really good young quarterbacks that are... They, they have the potential to go a long way in this league. And I think um, a lot of us are looking at this going, you know, Tennessee should be a lock to win the AFC South this year. Um, and the Raiders are certainly going to be around the mark if not winning the the AFC West. Their only problem is that division is a lot stronger than the AFC South. Um, but if, if you made the prediction that the Raiders are going to win the West, I don't think anybody would really have an issue with it. They might say, no, actually, I prefer... You know the chiefs or whatever, but they won't go. Nah, no, you're crazy, kind of thing. Um, so really exciting to see how this one unfolded. Um, I'm I, look Tennessee came out and they started the game with an onside kick. Now, uh, I like your I like your enthusiasm that you want to get off to a great start and maybe catch the Raiders unaware. But man, you know, giving Derek Carr the ball at midfield to start with, yeah. Not what I'd be doing. And look, he made them pay. He goes down uh, four plays later, he scores a touchdown. So I, I think that obviously that backfired, but I think, you know, I like your thinking sort of, but I probably wouldn't be doing that to start the year if I was head coach. Yeah, I mean, I probably would
0: be trying to do that maybe in the third or fourth quarter if it's a one-score game and you're, you're trying to catch them off guard, perhaps, but not to start the game, you know. No. like it, It's too much... The, the risk-reward ratio is just, it's too lopsided and you have to be calculating when you're making such risks in this league.
1: I also think it kind of sends the wrong message to your defense in a way. Like, I, I get that you're trying to be positive, you're trying to get the ball and start, you know, straight away. But at the same time, you're basically saying, I'd rather take the risk to give the ball to my offense than trust my defense to make a stop over the full length of the field.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're not trusting them. And I mean, the season hasn't even started yet. It's it's not a good message to send to them at all.
1: No, it's really not. So I think that was a bit of a weird one. Uh, But look, I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to coach an NFL team. I get to sit here and and throw shade at them instead. Um, But yeah, not off to a great start for Tennessee. And then, of course, you're playing from behind for the rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. And um, if
0: we look at look at the way that Tennessee's performance on offense went, it it was quite a mixed a mixed showing. I mean Mariota was okay, he was I don't. I don't think he was anything flashed. Then again, the game was at two thirty in the morning. So, <laughs> um, what? Maybe my my eyes are a little deceiving me. I'm gonna have to watch the replay a few times this week, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, look, he he was twenty five of forty one, two hundred and fifty six yards passing. He also rushed um three times for twenty six yards. Um, he had a nice rushing touchdown with a beautiful block um on the backside um by Delaney Walker. Now. Tennessee's offense, it's built on its ground game, and then everything is is based off that. So they're able to get the play action pass going, they're able to get it to Corey Davis, Decker, um, Rashad Matthews, Delaney Walker. That's when they can get it going. When when the ground game is is on point. They finished number three in the NFL in rushing last year. So they had DeMarco Murray, they had Derrick Henry, and they were they were getting close to about 130 yards um, a game last year. Now this this game in particular against a Raiders defense, which has, like, I mean, in the um, last season, after two games in the league, um, they had given up more than 500 yards of total offense on average. It was something like the worst statistical performance that had been recorded in close to 50 years of a defense through two games. So they don't have that good a defense, at least on paper. Um Tennessee only rushed for 95 yards, and if you look at what Murray and Henry did, they only ran for 69 yards at a lousy 3.8 yards per carry. It's just not good enough, and it really meant that Tennessee couldn't get harming on offense.
1: No, and look, to be honest, this kind of surprised me. I, I genuinely expected this to be a shootout, um, and I expected you know Tennessee to do whatever they wanted on offense, and I expected the Raiders to do the same thing. Um, And I I really thought that particularly this rushing attack of the Titans, coupled with that offensive line, um, wouldn't have any problems moving the ball. But I was completely wrong, wasn't I, Nance?
0: Yeah, look, I expected something similar to maybe 30, 28, like that kind
1: of scoreline, but it just wasn't to be today. No, it wasn't. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Amari Cooper's performance. Now, um, five catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. But that's five catches on 13 targets. So he's going at less than 50% catch rate. Uh, not not great. Yeah, had a great start to the game. So he's
0: um, got, a, got a touchdown early on on the first drive of the game. Um, but really, after that, he was pretty... Well, he made some nice catches on third down um, a few times to keep moving the chains, especially in the fourth quarter when they needed um, some key plays. But really what at one point the the raiders they were first in goal it was inside the five and they really tried to get cooper a second touchdown this was early, late in the first quarter and what they decided to do one of the game plans it was really to isolate um the corner of tennessee odori jackson he's the rookie um and what they did is they threw the ball three times to cooper Without success. So the first first play, it was a a, a slant to the inside. Uh, I think look, the throw wasn't perfect, but I mean, it was it was at eye level. He got both hands on it. It should have been a catch, um, and he would have walked in. He he was in for all money. Um, that should have been a touchdown. Um, the second the second throw, um, it was look, it was a back shoulder sort of like a dart that came in. And Cooper got both hands on it, but then Jackson was able to make a play. So Jackson got his mitts in there. He was able to, to strafe it away. So that, that was a good play by the corner. Nothing wrong there. And then the third the third one, Cooper was coming in on a crossing route, and the ball was tipped at the line. Um, and it got to Cooper, but because of the tip, it kind of like threw off the timing, and he was kind of like diving for the ball, and it, it just didn't work. So I look at those, those three targets in particular, look... You take away two of them, six catches on eleven targets potentially for two touchdowns. You probably take that at the end of the day. Um, look, let's let's wait and see how it goes. I mean, they've been they've been clicking on all cylinders in preseason, so I'm not too worried about this going forward. And I mean, if you look at the rest of Derek Carr's game, I mean, he had uh, I think it was two other cat uh, two other throws that were incomplete um, out of out of the remaining twenty-two that he threw or thereabouts. So for the most part he was on point with the rest of his receivers. He just had a few issues with Cooper. It's not going to be an issue long term though.
1: No, look, this this Raider's offense isn't where I thought you guys were going to struggle. So, you know, this this doesn't really surprise me. Um, the defense was particularly impressive. But I want to talk about special teams Nads. We got a new kicker in Oakland. Seabass. He's on IR. Um, and they've replaced him with, uh, oh, I'm going to try, Giorgio, <laughs> Te, Giorgio Tevecchio? Have I got clothes? Yep, yep. You get spot on, mate.
0: Absolutely molto bueno.
1: Okay, good. That's about the extent of my Italian. So, uh, But first kicker in NFL history, Naz, to kick two field goals on their debut greater than 50 yards.
0: Yeah, look, the dude was ice cold. I mean, he couldn't even. At, at one point in preseason, he was actually missing the extra points. So when they sent him out for a fifty-two yard field goal um, in this uh, early in the game, I think it was the second quarter. I was like, oh my gosh, this this could go anywhere, you know. And it went right down the middle. And all of his kicks, more or less, went right down the middle. You could have could have moved the uprights into about a six inch radius, just enough for the ball to fit. And he was slicing it. So. Um, he received a game ball from coach Jack Del Rio so look, good on him he's definitely going to be the kicker for the next 8 games at least um, let's see what happens from there but I mean it's a nice story from a guy that um, by all accounts he was apparently going to take an accounting job in London um, and he got got the call to, to stay for it, the preseason with the Raiders and it's it's worked out well for him.
1: It certainly has Look, it's interesting you say that because I, I, I think it's one of those things that's a little bit like Kicking for goal in AFL um, in the sense that sometimes those sort of longer, you know, when you're kicking from 50 meters out or in, in this case, 50 yards, you tend to kick through the ball more. You don't kind of poke at it. You don't stab at it. You just, you kick it. You just go through your motion and you kick it and you kick through the ball and you get better connection and obviously better distance. But sometimes you tend to see key forwards in the AFL where they, you know, they're 15, 20 metres out and they kind of just stab at it and they spray it off to the right or the left. And I think it's probably the same sort of thing you know, with, with PATs. You don't have to kick through it because you know you're going to make the distance, so you kind of just stab at it and you end up with the same result. So I think you know, it, it's a similar sort of thing to AFL there. Yeah, mate, you should have been in
0: the huddle telling, telling Charlie Dixon what to do um, on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, let's let's not talk about that. There's a story
1: for a different <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got to talk about one more person. He's he's more or less um he's a larger than life character in Oakland. Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, he's back.
1: He is back and he's back in uh in his hometown. Um and look, I think it's all things considered, solid debut. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm still sceptical. I was sceptical when you signed him, and I'm still sceptical now. Um, but for his first game back since 2015, i got to give it to him. It was pretty damn good. Um, didn't get in the end zone. That's the only knock I've got of him, but partially that's you know that's on Raiders' play calling more than anything. Um, but the big one for me was that hit on Jarrell Casey. Man, he just smoked him, and he is not a small dude, Jerrell Casey. Yeah,
0: 305 pounds of absolute muscle, and he just ran over his face like it was nothing. And you could just hear the pads just hit each other, and it's just that bam, you know. And it's um, it, he gives them a sense like a physical um toughness that they didn't have last year with Latavius Murray, and they weren't able to close out games. Um, with Murray as the running back this year with beast mode they're going to be able to move the clock a lot a lot more I mean he had 10 carries in the fourth quarter alone to close out the game and he got 38 yards on those 10 carries in the fourth quarter so that's that's when you know that they're going to be the defense is going to be king on the run and you still averaged almost four yards a carry to move the chains in the fourth quarter that's some good it's good
1: numbers to me Oh, definitely good numbers. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head um, just a little bit before that. The comparison of Lynch to Murray, I think the biggest thing for me is is kind of what you were hinting at in that Lynch gives you that... It, it's more of a complementary piece to DeAndre Washington and Jalen Rashad than what you got with Murray. You know, Lynch gives you that big physical bruiser type of running back that Murray really wasn't providing you. And when you link that with Rashard and Washington, you get a much nicer complement of running backs um, than the other way around. Um, I know that we've had this discussion off-air numerous times. Um, I'm still sceptical to see whether he can last the full season. I know that he's been one of the most reliable running backs when he's been around the league, but he's over the 30-year-old hump now. Every, every year is, you know, for running backs, the further you get away from 30, the, the closer you are to being done. Um, so I'm really sceptical to see whether he can go the whole year. Having said that, he does have the extra power of a second human powering him. So
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a crazy story.
1: For those that don't know that story, it came out this week, and you can choose to believe it if you want or not. Um, Marshawn's mother um, came out and said that when she was pregnant with Marshawn, she actually had twins in utero and apparently Marchand, um absorbed the placenta of his twin in the utero and so essentially got the nourishment of two human beings worth of, you know, nutrients, etc. And so doctors were saying that it wouldn't be surprised, they wouldn't be surprised if when he was obviously born and grew up that he would be ridiculously strong was the words that I got, I, I, I saw used. Now... You can choose to believe that if you want, but that would explain a hell of a lot more than a bowl of Skittles.
0: Yeah, <laughs> It just adds to the legend of Beast Mode, really. It's one of those things where look, we don't know if it's true or not, but it, it, it doesn't hurt to believe it.
1: Nah, spot on. Alright Nads, so we've got one last game that we want to cover in a little bit of detail before we run through the rest of the results and that is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Redskins. Now, this is an interesting game for me Nads because you've got two two teams that I really wanted to see how they were going to go through the rest of the season and this was a perfect opportunity for me to see that um, in terms of looking forward and I think the Philadelphia Eagles have really stamped themselves as they're going to be competitive in that division that is historically very very tough and they've come out on the road and they've beaten the Redskins 30 to 17 what are your takeaways from this game
0: I think the biggest one for me was that it was kind of like an ugly type of game for the quarterbacks you know we thought it was going to be a bit of a shootout with Carson Wentz um and then you've got Kirk Cousins but it it sort of it didn't turn out that way so Kirk Cousins he had an interception he had a myriad of drops, so many drops all over the place, and then he had another two fumbles. Yep. And then one of those fumbles, it was recovered by the Eagles, and it, um, yep. it was returned for a touchdown in the fourth quarter when they're t- when they're trying to go and um, take the game. So it, it's it's one of those where it just it certainly wasn't Cousins' day. You do wonder whether the off season or the drama stuff that whether that has permeated into his on field performance. I don't know. That's that's for other people to decide. But look, if we talk about Carson Wentz, I can talk about the interception that he made. Um, but at the same time, he made one of the plays for the entire week in the league. So
1: he stood... The, the touchdown to Aguilar?
0: Exactly, mate. Yeah. He, st- he stood in the pocket. He evaded yeah, he like a few pass rushes. And then he was able to scramble outside. And then he made a deep strike along the, the left hash marks. And then Aguilar... Look, he caught it. He was able to make his man miss. It, it oh, went for that, a fifty-eight-yard strike.
1: It was beautiful. That that guy should—I don't even remember who the defender was for the Redskins. So he's got to stick that tackle. That was not good. Yeah,
0: look, you need to make your one-on-one tackles in
1: the the oh. NFL, especially as a DB. But um, no, you're spot on. Wentz was incredible on that play, um, and that's in the first quarter, first score of the game. It really set the tone. Um, You look at a play like that and you look at it and go, mate, he should be sacked for all money there. He should have been down about three times, gets away from all of them and then throws the strike and they end up with a touchdown the other way. So completely takes any morale out of the Redskins and they all of a sudden feel like they've got a mountain to climb and it it felt like that for the rest of the game. And the other bit that, that jumped out at me, Nads, my boy Ryan Kerrigan with the pick six. Coming off the edge, but no, he's dropping back into coverage and he just undercuts the route. Nice little bit of a tip at the line of scrimmage that helped him as well. Uh, But he takes the ball back the other way. Obviously, I was high on him when we were doing our preseason rankings um, and it's good to see that he's already having an impact on the the games early. Yeah, look, he's done nothing um,
0: to unjustify your selection of him, that's for sure. No. Um, I just want to go back to Carson Wentz, that play that he made to Aguilar, you know... If you look at his progression from year 1 to year 2, I would say that there's absolutely no way that he would be making that throw or just making that play in general in his rookie season.
1: Um yeah, look, I thought his his rookie season was kind of okay. Um it, it certainly wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. So, it's good to see that he's already taking great strides forward and it looks like this could be a really positive year for Wentz. Um as I said, his only pick was that that uh batted at the line. So, I mean, you know, It's not really on him.
0: Yeah, look, he was solid. He was solid, and in my opinion, he was better... um, If I I look at his body of work in isolation last year and I compare it to what he was able to produce um, today, I think his performance today outweighed what he was doing on average last year. So I certainly think he's made a jump from year one to year two. As we see with a lot of quarterbacks, the biggest jump that they do make is year one to year two. So we really do want to see Wentz um, making a lot more of those aggro-type plays in the future because, I mean, that's going to mean
1: that the Eagles are going to be flying. Yep, spot on. Any last-minute thoughts on this one, Nats?
0: I think we just need to talk about a little bit about the gutsiness regarding the Eagles. I mean, like they lost quite a few players to injury. They lost um, their their top corner, Ronald Darby. He, He went down with an ankle. Um, they were down to two corners by the end of the game, and then even their kicker Caleb Sturgis he he was unable to go out and kick the the extra point in the on the final touchdown, so they had to go go for two. Um, it, it was gutsy.
1: No, it was. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes forward because as, you know we've we've talked already about the, all the injuries that are going around the league, but oftentimes you know playoff runs are largely dictated by how healthy your roster is. So. Now, if you're getting injuries early, it's going to have an impact on how you go towards the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see if, do these injuries start building up you know, um, and the impact that that has on, on the Eagles going forward.
0: Not precisely, you've nailed it. Well, let's, let's move on. Let, I figure what we should do now is we'll just recap all the other games. Um, we'll keep it short. We'll keep it pretty quick strike, um, like a three-step drop. What do you reckon? All
1: right, sounds good. Let's let's work our way through. Let's start with Buffalo New York Jets. So the the Bills winning that game twenty one to twelve. Um, nothing really unexpected here. We 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 thought the Jets are going to struggle this season. Yeah, it, they, it was a they, bore. Certainly, yeah they certainly it, didn't it, didn't show anything to bore. suggest otherwise.
0: Yeah, the only good thing was um, Shady McCoy. He, he kept running hard. He got uh, twenty two carries, one hundred and ten yards. Look, let's go to the next one. So Falcons um, at the Bears. Falcons um, almost got overtaken here. So Chicago, um, they had a goal to go situation in the final final moments of the game. They were unable to convert, which would have made um, if they converted, they would have got an extra point, would have won the game twenty four to twenty three. Jordan Howard, their running back, he dropped dropped a pass that probably had he had he stepped maybe a further six inches, he would have been in the end zone. So. Uh, it's hard to hard to see. Maybe this was one that got away for the Bears.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, a couple of little um, talking points. Mike Glennon in at quarterback over Trubisky. I mean, there was a lot of talk about that over the offseason, but it looks like they've, they've certainly gone with Glennon. Um, also for the Bears, Tarek Cohen. Um, little pocket rocket. Um, five carry, 66 yards, and then another eight catches for 47 and a touchdown. He had a day out. He was a really um, nice complimentary back to Howard today. And yeah, he was. It'll be interesting think, to see if he can keep up that level of involvement going forward.
0: Exactly, yeah. No, any people owning Jordan Howard, they might have to handcuff him with uh, Cohen. Lastly, I want to talk about Austin Hooper. He had a freaking 88-yard catch for a tight end, and he was wide open. Like There was no one within a good 20 to 30 yards of him when he caught that ball. It was just unreal.
1: Nah, Matt Ryan, he had a, a, a pretty standard Matt Ryan day, 21 of 30 for 321 yards and a touchdown. Um, I was interested to see how he'd go without uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense, and it looks like he's doing okay, but the the running game of the the Falcons certainly struggled, averaging about 2.5 yards per carry aggregate across all of their running backs. Not great.
0: No, not ideal at all. Let's go to the next one. Um, It's an AFC North rivalry game. Baltimore, um, they scored 20 points, and they kept the Cincinnati Bengals to a goose egg.
1: Mate, Andy Dalton... I, as somebody who unfortunately has him as one of my quarterbacks in fantasy, he dished me up negative three, um, oh, four interceptions and a fumble, no touchdown, 16 of 31 for 170 yards. Now I watched the highlights of this and I think two of the interceptions were battered and one was dropped, uh, like through the receiver's hand. So, not all on him but still Dalton come on man give me a touchdown give me like I'd take three just, points yeah give just, me just something. not negative don't go backwards
0: <laughs> yeah you could almost
1: you'd rather leave it empty. yeah exactly right uh, a few other talking points um Joe Mixon on debut eight carries nine yards yeah. and interestingly he had a long of eight so he's gone seven carries for one yard.
0: Baltimore's defense really showed up in this game, especially Brandon Williams on the interior. He had a monster game. He signed his big contract. He's ready to go for this season. If Baltimore's defense is back where it was a few years ago, they could be a real smokey
1: to challenge for maybe a wild card spot. Well, they do have an elite quarterback. <laughs> I mean, he went he went in a, in a game where the opposition puts up a goose egg. He went 9 of 17 for 121 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Joe that's elite numbers if I've ever seen him Nads
0: <laughs> Well he certainly thinks he's the best quarterback in the league so maybe he'll speak it into existence
1: he might All right let's go elsewhere in the AFC North Pittsburgh in Cleveland and I think there are a few surprises in this one Nads. so the Steelers got over the line in the end 21 to 18 but I don't, don't think have to anybody... for it yeah I don't really think anybody saw it being quite this close.
0: Uh, no one saw it close i I saw the half time score and think geez Browns like only being a touchdown down um it it certainly seems as though it was more a case of Pittsburgh not executing rather than Cleveland like actually staying in the game I mean you look at what Le'Veon on Bell did he did next to nothing I think he' yep. got about forty seven um total yards um receiving yep, and well rushing on. yep yeah so, thirty
1: two rushing fifteen receiving exactly so
0: he's come back off um of having no camp and it, it's more or less it showed um, Antonio Brown absolutely balled out he caught all of his 11 targets for 182 yards including one uh, in the final three minutes of the game which really iced it because Hugh Jackson he made a he made a blunder so what happened Brown caught this this deep pass and then Hugh Jackson decided to call a timeout and then he looked up on the Jumbotron and thought, hmm, I can challenge this. Challenged the catch. The catch was upheld as a catch. So that meant he lost a second timeout. When you're trying to chase the game and stop the clock, you've lost the two timeouts there. It's game over. It was first down. They had no choice. It was just kneel down, let it let it run out.
1: Yep, spot on. Um other big point for me, T J Watt on debut was everywhere, five tackles, two sacks, one pick. Um an interesting start, actually. So on debut, TJ Watt has now recorded a game with two sacks and a pick. In his entire career, JJ Watt has never managed two sacks and a pick in the same game.
0: Uh, well, he's certainly got one up on him then, doesn't he? He does.
1: All right, let's keep moving. Nad's next game, Detroit, Arizona. The Lions getting the better of the Cardinals, 35-23 to 23 at home. Um, takeaways from this one, mate.
0: Look, it's another Matt Stafford fourth quarter comeback. He had seven of them last season. He's got another one this um, to start the season off. Um, the guy just for for whatever reason he he knows how to get it done in the fourth quarter. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Kenny Galloway. He's a he's a rookie um, receiver for Detroit. He caught two touchdowns today. He had a he had a day out. Um but overall I mean like this game was more or less as advertised. When I expected Detroit to come in and win this game and they they excuse me, they won it with relative ease in the end come the fourth
1: quarter. Yeah, that they did. The Aegis Wonder Larry Fitzgerald was the only one really giving a lot for the uh for the Cardinals with seventy four yards receiving. Carson Palmer didn't have a great day out, one touchdown, three picks. Um They're in I trouble think... now, the
0: Cardinals, because Um, David Johnson's going to be out for a while. So, I mean,
1: they're going to get a free win against the Colts. So, (laughs) but yeah, no, I I think you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how they go without David Johnson um, and what they do with that situation because he is so integral to that offense. Um, They're going to have to do some serious game planning going forward. Uh, if we shift focus now to the AFC South, and a game that nobody was really going to pay attention to, I think, going in, and you look at it and go, well, that kind of makes sense why we weren't, but we're still surprised. The Jags absolutely pounding the Texans, 29-7 to on the road. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. No, I don't think anybody saw that coming, uh, but... You look at it and go, this is the formula that the Jags are going to have to rely on all year. You had Leonard Fournette on debut, 100 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. Uh, they're going to have to run the ball a lot. Blake Bortles only threw the ball 21 times. That's a good start for the Jags. And then they're just relying on that defense, just going out and bossing people. And that's exactly what happened. And Houston had no answer.
0: Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. You know, It's hard to determine where the Jags are at because... They looked amazing, like right, against the Texans. But the Texans' offensive line—it just—it's it, not good. It was a—it was a turnstile, and I it's mean, not Sav- good. Savage was just awful behind there, and it, it didn't get much better with Watson either when Watson came in. So, look, I mean, I've looked at the Jag's schedule today, and they've got such a soft draw that they could actually potentially win ten or eleven games and win the South. They—they they um, genuinely could. I still don't think that they're going to be like a contender for the AFC. I mean, like you put them up against um, some of the stronger teams—Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Oakland, New England—they're they're not going to have a hope in hell, um, especially with Blake Bortles behind center. But they're going to—they're going to go up a few notches this year. I think it's um, things are going to be
1: starting to look up for Jaguars fans. I think so too. Another interesting stat for you, Nads. Calais Campbell had four sacks today on debut for the Jags. Absolute uh, monster. Absolute yep. monster. That's a franchise record for the most sacks in a game for the Jags, and he's done it on debut.
0: Yeah, look, he was my number one free agent um, come, coming into this free agency class, and he's certainly living up to the hype so
1: far. Certainly is. All right, let's keep it moving. Um, we're oh, The next game we've got... <laughs> The Indianapolis Colts went to L.A. to take on the Rams. Um, We're not going to talk about this in too much detail because I'll be covering this very shortly in the slam dunk, but the Colts are 9-46 for the Rams. We got pantsed.
0: Yeah, absolute abomination. Um, You'll cover it more in the slam dunk. Let's go to the Seahawks-Packers. Packers Packers won this game 17-9. It was quite a dour game. Um, Seattle's offense never got clicking, um, and you, you can argue that the Packers' offense didn't really get clicking much either. Um, it's, it's one of those games that I'm sure Green Bay would like to chalk up as a win and just move on to the next.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's interesting, though. I reckon if you asked the Seattle defense before the game, hey, you can keep Aaron Rodgers and company to 17 points in Lambeau, I think they'd take that without a doubt. Exactly,
0: but the Seahawks, their offensive line, it oh, looks like it's got the same problems as last year. It's
1: it's arguably worse. It's not good. It's really not good. So they're going to have to do some serious work there. Um, Russell Wilson's stat line, not impressive, but when you look at the amount of pressure he was under all day, um, it, it makes a bit of sense.
0: Yeah, look, um, it, it's, it's one to watch going forward because they have the pieces to... Be a really good team, but if they don't, if they don't sort out the offense, it's just it's going to be a mess. Um, let's go on to Carolina, San Francisco. This was another pretty boring game. Um, Twenty-three to three, Carolina won. Uh, really, Cam Newton he looked his normal self. He was nothing, nothing amazing. He was, look, I would say, he was fairly inaccurate. Um, it was quite a dow game, and the 49ers didn't really like put up much of a fight.
1: No, I don't think it really surprised anybody. Um, The biggest talking point for me, you know, everybody was building up Christian McCaffrey and what he'd be like. Look, solid on debut. He had 13 carries for 47 yards and then five catches for 38 yards. Um, But I think he was kind of, you know, second fiddle in a sense to Jonathan Stewart, who reminded everybody what he's capable of. Uh, 18 carries, 65 yards, and also two catches for 17 yards and a touchdown. Um, Just making sure that people don't forget he's still on the roster.
0: No, exactly. And last off that we've got, we've got um the New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington. Um, the Cowboys won this game nineteen to three. I had the pleasure of watching this game from start to finish, and I don't think I've seen like a more that that offense from the Giants without Odell oh. Beckham. It's just anemic. Oh,
1: it's so bad. It's,
0: it's just horrible. Absolutely horrible. They've got no running attack. Brandon Marshall looks like he should be retired. Um, they've got a nice piece in Evan Engram there, but he's a rookie. Um, Sterling Shepard, uh, look, he's okay, but he's not going to be wowing many plays. They really do not have much going for him there. And I mean, the, to me, the Cowboys, they really should have won by more, but they, they, just, they were shooting themselves in the foot at times. Um, it, it's one of those where they weren't able to convert key third-down opportunities um, They weren't able to uh, convert in the red zone. Um, but, I mean, look, as long as they've got Zeke and Dak there, it's they're, they're going to get their fair share of wins.
1: They will. Look, I, I just want to touch on a couple of things um, that you kind of mentioned. First of all, Brandon Marshall, uh, there was a stat thrown out in the broadcast. Um, I think, I can't remember it exactly off the top of my head, but I think it's, he's been in the league about 12 years now. Thereabouts, yeah. Something like that. And you have to go back to his rookie season to find a game where he hasn't registered a catch in. Well, and the catch that he, he made catch was in came, the final minute. Correct. It was, the, it was like the second to last or the last reception in the game. Yeah. Um, so I thought you know, that was really interesting that he was going to have to go all the way back to his, his rookie year to find a game where he hasn't recorded a catch. The other name I wanted to mention is Sean Lee, man. He was everywhere yeah no he
0: was uh, speaking of Dallas Cowboy linebackers let's talk about Jalen Smith because he came yeah. back he started in the middle he played very solid it's great to see him come back from yeah. his knee injury because most people including myself thought he was going to be done
1: well look he was. if he was healthy he would have been a top 5 guy yeah um, no doubt so the talent's there great to see him back great to see him involved um, and as you said Cowboys got off to a winning start
0: Alrighty, I know you've been bottling this up ever since Chuck Pagano got on the stand post-game after the abomination of a 46-9 loss. It's time for your slam dunk. Yeah, Yeah,
1: Nads... I, I feel like as a Colts fan I've been spoiled, you know I've had I've had the incomparable Peyton Manning as my quarterback for years, and then we have Andrew Luck just fall into our lap. Um, but in between I've had Curtis Painter and now I've had Scott Tolzien and let me tell you, it's uh, it's painful. It's painful, mate. Uh, I got up this morning, and and I watched this game and look, I knew going in that the Colts stink. I knew it. I knew we we're in a rebuild, but I thought, you know what? I, I can see the Rams winning this, but maybe we'll stay competitive, maybe we'll you know, let's let's limit the turnovers, let's let's play some good defence, see how these new pieces come in and, and, and how they perform. And maybe we can keep it competitive, keep it tight, and, and you know, if we go on the road and we lose by three or seven, I'd take that as a Colts fan. The first pass from scrimmage is a pick six going back the other way and we're already down by seven. And I'm going, wow, this is going to be a long, long day. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I just, I, I, I just couldn't, I just laughed. I, all I could do was laugh with how just horrific this was. This was a complete and utter massacre at the hands of a quarterback who's never won a game before. And look, he Jared Goff. He looked good, and it was because our defense stunk. It was just from start to finish, everything that could have possibly gone wrong with this game went wrong. And I don't want to dwell too much on the actual game itself. I want to focus on Chuck Pagano. Now, Chuck's been under a lot of a lot of fire. Um, you know, he's copped it from all angles. People saying, why does he still have a job? And you know, for a while there, I was firmly in the camp of, look, let's give him a chance without Grigson. You know, we've seen the cancer that he's been on the team. Let's let's give Chuck a chance and, and see what he can do. And after one game, I'm already switching camps, Nads. I'm done. He needs to go. Um, <laughs> the longer the longer that he is with this organization, the worse it's going to be. We both said it at the time that we should have kept Bruce Arians um, and, and not gone with Pagano, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, and here we are. Now... A few things I want to point out. The first one, early on in the game, Marlon Mack could have had a touchdown, and it got ruled uh, out of bounds, I think it was. And it was clear on the replay, The, the broadcasters thought that it was a touchdown, it looked like a touchdown to me, it was like blatantly obvious. And instead of taking a second to look at it and then throwing the challenge flag, we decided to go hurry up and take away the opportunity to even review the play by rushing forward. And it's just, it's just boneheaded coaching. You, you look at that and you've got to realize that that's... If it's not a certain touchdown, it's pretty damn close. Maybe it's worth throwing the challenge flag. Maybe? No? Okay, well, here we are, right? There's one touchdown we should have had. The next criticism I've got of, of Chuck Pagano, and I want to throw this also on Chris Ballard because this is on him as well, and I've been his biggest advocate since he's come to this organization. The quarterback situation in Indianapolis stinks. All through preseason, we've had this battle between the juggernauts that are Scott Tolzien, Philip Walker, and Stephen Morris. And Scott Tolzien's come out and won it, despite barely being able to get us a first down in preseason against the third stringers. Stephen Morris was the best of the three quarterbacks by far, and we waived him. We waived Philip Walker, who looked I, I have no problem with that. He wasn't ever going to really do anything. But Stephen Morris was by far the best of the three quarterbacks, and we chose to waive him and keep Scott Tolzien because Scott Tolzien looked good in practice but couldn't perform on game day. And Philip, uh, sorry, Stuart, Stephen Morris was the opposite. He looked good against actual people playing football but apparently wasn't that convincing in camp and practice. Now, I don't know about you, Nads, but generally, you know, you kind of want a quarterback who's going to perform on game day. So for us to waive him and keep Tolzien, it just, oh, I I don't understand. And then we trade for Jacoby Brissett, and I sort of go, okay, well, maybe Ballard kind of goes, you know, I'm aware of how crap our our quarterback situation is. Um, And he's got Brissett on a contract to 2019, which I also like, because that means he'll be able to back up Andrew Luck when Andrew Luck is healthy. Um, But it's frustrating, because I get why he couldn't start, right? I get it. He's he's been there for less than a week. He doesn't know the playbook. You know, you think Tolzine's running with a a watered down version of the playbook. Jacoby Brissett's going to be even worse. And he, you know, eventually we benched Tolzine after throwing two pick sixes. And Jacoby Brissett actually brought some energy, you know. His first passing attempt is a 51 yard completion, uh, 50 odd yard completion to Dante Moncrief, which was the only drive we scored a touchdown on. Add to that, he also recovered a fumble for a safety in the end zone as opposed to it being a straight touchdown. I thought Brissett looked brilliant, and if he doesn't start week two, man, I have serious questions about this organization because this, it, I, I can't sit through another week of Scott Tolzien as my quarterback. Then it goes to a whole nother level. After the game, the post-game press conference... Chuck Pagano comes out, and, you know, like, a bit of respect for him. He comes out, he calls it as it is. He says, look, we This got, is Pagano's finest hour. We, we you know, I'm, I'm going to play the clip in this slam dunk, but, oh, man, just, just listen to this.
0: I mean, we got our asses kicked, and uh, credit
1: 49ers and, and Coach McVay. Now, and- no wonder we got pantsed by the Rams. We were game-planning for the wrong team. We thought we were playing the 49ers. We thought it was like week four or five already. No, no, no. We're playing Los Angeles, guys. Same state, wrong team. I
0: mean... Yeah, at least he got the state right. Oh. He's only got like a couple
1: hundred Ks out. No, but if he came out and said, look, you know, we, we tried, guys. We got our asses handed to us by St. Louis. I could kind of understand that because that makes sense. That was exactly, St. Louis yeah. Rams last year. I, oh, I just... He has to go and he's been He's been just it's not good it's really not good and it's pain it's painful i'm hurting i'm hurting yeah. inside today um oh it, it was not good look I'm, I'm gonna tie i could talk about this for hours i'm gonna put a ribbon on it we're gonna finish with a positive note there are two guys who i think can hold their heads high on this colts roster after their performances this morning number one is jacobi Brissett. i mean with the opportunities he had he only had three passing attempts and he completed two of them and led us on our only touchdown drive and recovered the safety. The other one is John Simon. And I think he's actually going to be quite an underrated um, pickup. I thought he was excellent today. If he was, you know, if we were getting any semblance of pressure, it was coming from him. He was making stops all over the place. Um, I thought he had a really, really good performance um, and he can hold his head high. One last thing. I don't know what is going on. You know, you look at the Colts roster and you go, yep, yeah, without Andrew Luck, the offense is going to struggle. That makes sense. The offensive line, not great. We get it. You look at the defense, brand new. You know, pieces been thrown together everywhere. Um, the only... Here's a fun fact for you, Naz. Today, the only person who started on the Colts defense that started on the Colts defense last year was TJ Green, Except he started at corner this year and he started at safety last year. So we had 11 people that were essentially brand new starting on that defense. So it kind of makes sense that we we copped as many points as we did. But the one position we thought we might be okay at, kicker. Automatic Adam. Has the nickname Mr. Clutch. You know, he doesn't miss. And first game he misses a field goal and a PAT. So I don't know what is going on here, but the whole Colts organization has gone to complete and utter garbage. Um, And I don't know if I'm going to be able to suffer through this for a whole season now. There was literally nothing for me to look at and go, you know what, that's a shining light. I'm happy with that.
0: Mate, now you know how I feel when we had, as a Raider fan, Jamarcus Russell starting at quarterback. Yeah, except...
1: I was gonna say that might be even that'd probably even be worse because you expected him to be good. I just knew we were gonna be bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was always you would just get up in the morning and you thought oh, today's gonna to be the day that he's gonna turn it on, and then like, he'd throw the first interception or he'd trip himself over for a sack, and you'd be like, oh no, no, it's the, it's the same it's the same Russell. Uh,
1: it's it's not fun. Um, two last things. Number one, Andrew Luck is the firm favorite after round one for MVP without a doubt, and if you say otherwise, you're delusional. And number two, I would almost go so far as to say that he shouldn't play at all this year. Just wrap him in cotton wool, let him sit. What do we get out of him playing? He takes us from zero wins to five wins, maybe? Like, what what does that achieve for us? Just put him on the bench, wrap him in cotton wool, let him get back to 100%, draft some people who are actually good, keep the rebuild going, and see what happens next year. 'Cause yeah, 20, but, but luck, the the last
0: thing that you want to see is for is for luck to be having to pass the ball every down because their defence is so bad and they're down twenty points and they're having to throw it all the time, and then for him to get, get caught up on the on his blind side and then for, to go nice whack to the shoulder and all of a sudden he's having to go back into surgery and we're back where we started. Mads, why are you yeah. reciting my
1: nightmares to the listeners of our <laughs> podcast? Man, i want you to sleep well tonight come uh, on don't blame me i'm not gonna sleep well but there's always <laughs> next week i guess
0: uh, for sure look let's go on to our last section of the uh, of the week so look what we want to do now is we're gonna tally from week two onwards we're gonna tally our picks for for the rest of the for the upcoming week so let's just do a rapid fire two minute drill here so Texans-Bengals, it's in Cincinnati. Who have you got? Um, look, after the first week showing, both are pretty
1: ordinary, but I thinking I'm going to take the Bengals at home. Yep, me too. Next one, Browns-Ravens in Baltimore. Interesting one after the Browns performance week one, but I'm still going to take the Ravens at home.
0: Yep, got to take the home team there. Bills-Panthers in Carolina. Uh, ooh... Come on, the Bills aren't that good, mate. No, nah, Panthers, Panthers at home. Yep, yep. all day. Okay, well, Colts, Cardinals.
1: We don't <laughs> even need to discuss that one. Cardinals and by that, 70. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Titans at Jags. Uh, I'll take the Titans, even though I think the Jags are much improved, but I still think the Titans.
0: Yeah, jeez. Oh, I'm going to take the Jags in an upset. Um, Eagles, Chiefs? Uh, Chiefs at home. Yeah, agreed. Patriots, New Orleans.
1: Jeez, this is going to be a shootout for the, for yep. the ages. Uh, 50-49. Yeah, whatever the over is on the line, take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the Patriots will bounce back. Brady's not going to want to lose two in a row. Yeah, they're not going to lose two in a row to start the season, even
0: if it is playing away. Yeah. Um, Then we've got Vikings at Pittsburgh. That's going to be a bit of a defensive struggle, I reckon.
1: I haven't seen the Vikings game yet. Don't know what to really expect from them, but they have no offense. Uh, I'm going to take the Steelers at home. Agreed.
0: Um, Chicago at Tampa Bay. So we haven't seen Tampa play this year due to Hurricane
1: Irma. Um, Chicago looked okay week one against the Falcons, um, but I think Buccaneers, they've had the extra week uh, at home. I'll take the the Bucks.
0: Me too. Then we've got uh, Miami against the LA Chargers
1: in Los Angeles. Again, don't know what to expect from Miami. Um, I I think the Chargers are going to be... You know, they'll be around the mark this year. I'm going to take them at home until they get injured and prove me otherwise.
0: Yep, agreed. I don't think we even need to talk about the Jets
1: and the Raiders. Nope, that'll be the Raiders
0: in a blowout. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Cowboys against the Broncos
1: in Denver. Uh... Look, I liked what I saw from the Cowboys' defense, and I don't like the Broncos' offense, so I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Broncos there. I'm not convinced that the Cowboys are
0: going to be able to be able to move the ball as much. Um, let's go Redskins
1: at the Rams. Uh, well, I have first-hand experience of seeing what the Rams are capable of at home, uh, but the Redskins are a much better outfit than the Colts. Um, I'm going to take the Redskins, but it's going to be close. Okay, I'm
0: taking the Rams to go 2-0. Um, 49ers against the Seahawks, that's pretty straightforward. No brainer, Seahawks at home. Exactly. Here's a big one. The Sunday night game, Packers against Falcons to open up Mercedes-Benz Stadium in
1: Atlanta. Whoa, what a game that's going to be. Um, oh, I'm going to take the Falcons. I, I think, you know, the occasion, first game in the new stadium... That offense is going to come out clicking on all cylinders. We may very well see a shootout in that one.
0: Yep, I reckon that one could go to overtime. It's it's a real toss of the coin. And then lastly, the Monday night football game. Um, Detroit versus the New York Giants in East Rutherford. Uh, I'll take the Lions. Yeah, me too. I don't see the Giants doing anything for the time being. No. Nah. Well, that brings us up to another end of the episode of Any Given Monday. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter. We're on there at Any Given, M-O-N-P-O-D. We're also on Facebook um, at Any Given Monday Pod. Um, Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. We've got all our social media stuff covered there.
1: Uh, Guys, you can also check us out individually on Twitter. Nads is at H-B-Nadolny, N-A-D-O-L-N-Y, and I'm at D-Song, S-O-A-N-G.
0: In the meantime, it's great to have football back. Um Enjoy the game tomorrow. In the meantime, keep fighting for those inches. Take care. Bye. Bye. It's football.
1: It's Tracy Porter again. He's getting to go all Oh, God. Can't he catch up. It's 40.
0: Oh, it's 35. Look at him go. 30. 25. He's at the 20. Gets the ball! He's gone.